How you doing, diva? Are your bones weary? Are your muscles so sore and drained you can't even roll your carcass out of bed? The now will rejuvenate your body, mind, and spirit with an array of muscular treatments such as massage, cupping, and heat therapy. The now signature treatment combines Swedish massage techniques with calming aromatherapy to provide a balm for your body's wear and tear. My favorite now treatment is the stretch. As an athlete and podcaster, I often don't take care of my many muscles the way I should. But thanks to the now, I'm flexible, fit, and won't hurt myself doing Stairmaster or moving my mic from one table to another. The now has locations in most major metropolitan areas. So book an appointment or procure a membership today. Your journey starts now. Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins. Hi, everyone. Today we're talking about episode nine of season four, and we have an amazing guest with us. You've read her in Vogue, W, and many other magazines, outlets, blogs. It's writer and editor jocelyn silver what is up hello thank you for having me thanks for being here i i feel like we've been we've been back and forth on this specific episode for a while but i've wanted you to i wanted to have you on for a while thank you um i am thrilled to be here i love girls and talking about girls it really is the one of the best shows to talk about other than and just like that which is the last show we talked oh. about in a podcast format i mean that is my 100 percent my favorite piece of programming <laughs> that hbo has ever put out it's like the sopranos who did you all read the sjp profile in the new yorker today Okay, I haven't yet because I uh, I had to do a lot of driving today around Southern California, so I have not read it yet, but it is bookmarked. I can't wait. Like, shout out to Rachel Syme. I'm sure she did an amazing job. I truly can't wait to read it. It is so good. I actually teared up at points. Which is dumb, but I mean, it like it's an incredible piece of writing and an incredible profile. But I, yeah, I mean, I really love SJP, but you walk away from it with a very newfound appreciation, almost. And I cannot wait for the worst show on TV to come back. Well, (laughs) I guess like uh, the idols close (laughs) in your estimation, Julia. I mean. I, I've been texting Drew some some idle hatred. Jocelyn, I imagine you have complicated feelings because you are a Jocelyn in the Yeah, I mean, idol. this is this is the biggest moment for Jocelyn in <laughs> history. You know, like I feel like I have to support the Jocelyn community. And, you know, as somebody with a name that is like not that crazy, but not one that you hear a lot. It is really hilarious for me to like open up my phone and see like Jocelyn, aka the human cum sock and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I've got a real connection to the show. I will be watching every episode. I did not watch Succession, but I am so into the idol. It is so terrible. It is so cringe. And I'm uh, completely obsessed. Yeah, I, I got some of my thoughts out on last week's episode of girls room but i haven't seen episode three yet which aired last night at the time of we're recording this and apparently it is the worst one yet but i have to say like i kind of liked i kind of liked episode two like actually unironically a little bit liked it you know i thought episode two was actually pretty good the part where like Lily Rose Depp is shooting the music, Jocelyn, excuse me, mm-hmm. is shooting the music video I thought was actually like quite good. But then once the weekend comes back, it gets terrible again. Like he is just so awful in a way that I'm kind of obsessed with. I heard a theory that 
Drew, you might know this theory mm-hmm. if you listen to the Who Weekly Patreon. Mm-hmm. They teased a, or someone called in about a theory that since the director left mid shoot, or like they had to do a bunch of reshoots on the idol, and the episodes feel so disjointed. And so the first half of the episodes are good, and the second halves are like uh, uh, the weekend reshoots, which is why they're so bad. I buy that. Yeah, that makes that makes some sense. I feel like they wouldn't like slice them in half like that, but but I think the idea that you can tell what the reshoots are is probably accurate. Yeah, I apparently they reshot eighty percent of the show, which is like an astronomical figure. And they also, they've been saying for weeks now, this is a six episode season miniseries, like whatever it's going to end up being. And now we're only getting five episodes. Like what happened to that six episode? <laughs> like, are they just oh, only getting stuff? five? I yeah. thought there were six. That's cuckoo. Wow. Yeah. I, I do think this feels so slapdash. I wouldn't be surprised that they are actively editing episodes on the fly and just giving us stuff that really cuts out some of the more overtly gross stuff that people were teasing Mm -hmm. before the episode. Like I remember I read some of like the can reviews and some of them mentioned scenes in the first two episodes, which were the only episodes provided to critics that did actually end up making the cut that we saw. So I'm wondering if some of the like sexual politics of this show, which I, I think I agree, those are like by far the worst elements of this show. Like I think a lot of that is has ended up on the cutting room floor and yet we're still seeing some truly insanely cringy stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I really, I didn't expect much from the show but I wanted it to be like good and fun and sexy. And it, I don't, I'm honestly, it's not even that I'm scandalized. I'm bored by it. I'm like, come on, give me something. I totally am with you. It's really boring. And for me, the pearl clutching is honestly a little ridiculous. It's kind of like the show is terrible because the acting is terrible. The dialogue is terrible. The, you know, the pace of it doesn't make any sense. We're three episodes in and I still don't really know what the show is about. No. Like, it's it's terrible for all of the, like, obviously the sex stuff is often very cringy and poorly done. And, like, if a person has ever masturbated with their choking themselves, like, mm-hmm. I, Jocelyn, am not aware of this as a common practice in the Jocelyn community. No. But, <laughs> um, you know... I, I'm still gonna I'm gonna watch all of it. I'm gonna stick with it. I wish it was almost campier than it is. No. I think its major sin is that it is actually a little boring. Yeah, there there are some like there are some fun things in it. Like I think except for the weekend, like I do kind of like the acting on this show. I think Rachel Sennett especially is tearing it absolutely crazy. Like I I'm very excited for Bottoms and the other projects that she has coming out because she is like superstar. Like I think she's kind of carrying carrying the whole show on her back in a lot of ways. Lily Rose I mean, is also really good too, I think. I think Lily Rose is really good. I think Rachel Sennett is really good. I think weirdly like Hey Gazaria and um, I forget the name of the other actress who plays her, her other manager. Mm-hmm. I actually think all of them are really good. Um, I think Hari Neff is terrible, which I find oh, fascinating awful. because she is such awful. a smart and cool person. And I think the fact that she's so bad at acting shows that it's actually like really hard. And um, <laughs> I, f- I find, um, I mean, obviously the weekend is terrible. And then I feel so bad for poor Jane Adams, who's normally so good in everything, but just gets like the cringiest lines in yeah. this. Thank you for saying something that I have been very afraid to say for weeks now um yeah I know I know I we're think, not supposed to say it but no like I terrible. I really like Hari Neff as a writer especially and as like a bon vivant whatever I have never 
loved her as an actor. And this show is, it's really exposing some of her limitations. Absolutely. It's like, she is a, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying we can let this be the final thing she acts in, I think, you know? (laughs) Oh, no, but she's got, she's got more in the pipeline. You go to the IMDb and she has like six projects coming up. She just did the seagull with Parker Posey on stage. Like, she's still going, but I, um, I really like her and I don't, I think, much like singing anyone can act if you just try hard enough and sometimes you just gotta try a little harder and Fair. I I love her otherwise and I don't want her to ever get mad at me so I mean same and I think she's brilliant and an incredible fashion plate and like everything you want an it girl to be but uh she is pretty stiff in the idol I will say <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If is a good way to put it. Speaking <sighs> of HBO dramedies, um, would you? It's not a dramedy. Maybe a, a dark uh, psychological <laughs> mashup. But, I honestly um... <laughs> think the comedy is the only thing about the idols' dialogue that actually works. But maybe, maybe um, <laughs> that's a strange. <laughs> but... We're moving on to girls. I want to hear about your experience with girls. Like, how did you come to the show, Jocelyn? What have you always been a girls fan, or is it something you came to later in your adulthood? 100% always a girls fan. Um, I forget if it came out in 2000. I, I think it, the first season came out in 2011, and I was a sophomore at NYU. So mm-hmm. it was like, everybody was watching girls everybody talked about it and lena did multiple screenings like at nyu that i covered for the school paper and so i remember seeing the premiere like before other people and being like oh my god you have to watch it (laughs) um and i mean just as like a college student in new york city at that time like it was just so reflective of like (laughs) our reality you know like um there was just no escaping it and um yeah I was a very avid fan from the beginning yeah being a sophomore at NYU when that show came out like that is truly hitting the bullseye of a target audience for that show it was and I will say I remember um I going to the screening and walking out and realizing I was right behind Lena Dunham and she was wearing these really cute pants and I was like, Lena, I love the show, but like, I'm sorry to bug you. Your pants are amazing. And she was so nice. Just like, oh my God, thank you so much. Well, I will just never forget how nice she was. She was lovely. Oh, and in other interactions I've had with her since, just always so lovely. How do you think the show holds up? Like, I guess 10 years later. Well, I mean... Obviously, people like like your wonderful podcast and, you know, there have been so many articles. Um, I work for a website called Dirt where we ran an article called, like, why is everyone rewatching Girls right now? And um, that has been, like, a very common sentiment. I do think in ten, 10 years later, it's much easier to watch the show and digest it without the endless, you know, Jezebel coverage of... <laughs> what the show was doing wrong like politically so I think it's actually aged you know like a fine wine because I think that now that we're further away I mean you know the death of digital media is one thing but I think the death of think piece culture is a really good thing and the fact that we can watch it now without sort of the endless buzzing about Lena Dunham's body, the show's uh, responsibility to be inclusive or not, all of that stuff that sort of became like a really frustrating echo chamber. Um, you know, I think watching that with watching the show without that is um, you get to see it in a much clearer light. Um, so I think it's aged extremely well. It's so interesting that criticism and discourse are really necessary thought processes to engage with media and culture, but they really 
make the viewing experience so much more annoying in a lot of ways like with girls like honestly kind of with the idol too like it it you kind of just want to watch something in a vacuum and make your own thoughts about it before participating in all that but that's not really like everything is so real time with social media it's really hard to actually consume culture like that totally and and something you know that obviously there are a lot of you know political criticisms that you could make of girls mm -hmm. but something that i always thought was extremely unfair to lena dunham was like people were not able to see and you know i'm not saying any new information but like people were not able to see lena dunham as you know a real auteur um, and it's sorry for using that word, it's very pretentious, but you know what I mean? Like they weren't able to see her as a real filmmaker, which she was, and the show was very cinematic and all of that stuff. They saw her as Hannah Horvath and reviews and stuff were written as though Lena Dunham was endorsing the horrible things that the characters say. And it's like, no, she's doing a razor sharp critique of this kind of culture. Um, so I really like watching it now because I feel like you really like the lines that are just so like 2012, just really, really hit. I mean, she's just so smart. It's so well written. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. People mm -hmm. were just, you know, it, it, it sometimes can be hard to separate the, uh, the artist from the art. Like Lena is, she's not. She does seem like Hannah Horvath, but she's not. She is a, uh, you know, she's her own woman <laughs> artist. She's a she's a seer. <laughs> In the same way, the weekend is not Tedros Tedros. <laughs> like, oh <my> <laughs> but, um, if you had to identify with one of the four main girls, which girl are you? Okay, so I was listening to the podcast and I was like, oh my God, like, which one am I? How do I choose? Um, if I have to choose a main girl, right? I can't just be like, I'm Laird because I feel really connected to Laird. Take the prompt how you will. Okay. But I, I, yeah. would love to, I would love to hear which main girl you are, but you can have like a side answer too. I mean, I, so I'll say this when I, I'm, when I was, I was driving with a friend a few minutes ago and I was like, dude, like, help me out. Like, which girl am I? And she said something that I feel is terrible to repeat on air, but this is what she said. Honestly, she said, I'm clearly a Hannah for many reasons, you know, media worker. It's like, we're all Hannah's, you know, at the end of the day, we're all Hannah's, mm -hmm. but that I also am part Jessa, which I know you are not supposed to say. I know, I know that saying you are Jessa is very obnoxious. No one is Jessa. Jemima Kirk is an it girl and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, when I was just, you know, I did go out a lot. I did a lot of the stuff that Jessa did on the show. So I would say I am a Hannah-Jessa combo with the Judaism of Shoshana. But that in terms of characters that I identify with on that show, I'm gonna go Laird, John Cameron Mitchell's cameo, oh um, and maybe a little bit of uh, Hannah's mom because she's always very frustrated. I love that answer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very rich cocktail of characters. It really like. is. You know, it's a rich text. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any favorite girls episodes or girls moments before we dive into the the episode at hand? So I was thinking about this and I, I was writing down because I know this is a segment you guys do and I was like trying to think about my favorite episodes and most of the ones that came up were uh, I have a few different tracks that I like my girls episodes to go like I love a party episode and probably the ones I've returned to the most are you know Bushwick slash the Craxident mm -hmm. and um I forgot the episode title but the one where Hannah does coke and goes it's Wednesday night and I'm alive baby in the mixture <laughs> um a very important layered episode <laughs> um so I love those and then I love you know a classic girls like bottle episode like you know the Panic in Central Park, of course, is a classic. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I love the episode where Hannah spent or Lena Dunham spends the weekend with Patrick Wilson, you know, the mm-hmm. one that caused so much annoying online chatter about like the body and stuff. Um, I think that's an amazing episode. I think uh, the episode, uh, the sort of like pre-Me Too episode with Michael Imperioli is amazing. Um, uh, I love like um, Hannah going to Michigan. Um, yeah, I, there are so many. There are so many good ones. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a wonderful television show. It's a wonderful program, and those are some very strong episodes and a strong through line. I, I agree. I feel like a bottle episode is amazing. A party episode is transcendent. You, you hit the oh, nail. Shoshana in Japan, I think, is really important. Oh yeah, can't forget that yeah. one's coming up for us to cover, and I'm very excited I'm to talk so about excited. it. Oh. I'm excited for you. Oh my god, that boy that she likes is so cute. She's she's got. She's got her whole life at her. I, yeah. I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Should we get into the episode at hand, though? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So just recapping what happened last episode. Hannah's dad came out as gay and blew up the family, more or less. Uh, Shosh went on a date with Jason Ritter, the cup of noodles king, and tried out some appalling dirty talk about pickles Marnie and Desi got engaged after fighting about money and German synthesizers. Hannah and Maud Apatow got, well, Maud Apatow got a friend new and piercing while <laughs> Hannah chickened out. And Hannah deployed feminism to try to ensnare Fran back into her clutches to little success. And now, okay, I thought I found this episode kind of dud-ish if we are being very honest with ourselves. I, I saw it, it was slightly duddish. I, I had to honestly, I watched it originally a week ago and then I had to watch it again today because I was like, what the? Like, I, I watched it, but absolutely what happened in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, you guys have been re watching it. So I understand thinking of it as duddish, but I haven't. And so I haven't watched Girls in a minute. And so watching it, I was like, oh my God, like. <laughs> The sparkling wit. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, but yeah, the it is. Part. It is definitely you know not super exciting. No, even in the worst episodes of this show, it's still screamingly funny. Like, I don't think girls gets enough credit for being a joke machine. Like, there's so many good little witticisms and like even like set up punchline stuff like physical comedy it's like totally it's so perfect in a lot of ways um but there's one episode in every season that is this kind of like they forget that they actually have to write plot and wrap up storylines and like do a little character development like right at the very end it's always like the eighth or ninth episode and this was that uh for season four and i just found it a little compared to like the highs that we've been getting a lot of this season this was i a little lacking yeah we we start the episode um i I will never forget this opening because i watched it on the couch with my family and you know what that was hard for me um (laughs) we open the episode on jessa and ace having sex um like super super realistic sex scene i'll say um she says you look like a teacher i had in fourth grade it's a it's a you know it's a hot sex scene it's an awkward sex scene and this is this is a new couple that we're opening on a new sort of couple i guess call it hot but it's a little hot i don't know i think maybe both the actors are hot and both of both of the actors are hot i'm i'm very like whenever you know people have their bra on in a sex scene i'm like all right okay that's fair where's the where's the realism yeah (laughs) i I respect a no nudity writer you know i'm not like hank azaria and the idol (laughs) corner in the closet but, uh, you know. Sure. I just haven't, the, the Ace character just hasn't really worked for me 
that much this season, but I did, I did really, and I like Zachary Quinto's performance is really good. And he did get a lot of good lines mm-hmm. this episode. I like that when he tricks Jessa into running to Mimi Rose's place, which is so like demonic behavior. Um, He's like, I photographed her breasts for a project on globalization. <laughs> which is that so perfect. That line. was so funny. And I, I like did a full belly laugh. And that was so that time, you know, that was like every like ID days article was like, look at these photos of naked women being empowered or like <laughs> queer, queer youth, you know, was sort of the buzzword of the day as well. Sure. And, uh, just really hit for me that line I thought it was delightful what I I took note of another amazing ace quote colored doors are a reason to live I think he's very charmed (laughs) by Mimi Rose's like blue door red I don't remember what color door it is to be fair it is charming I love Mimi Rose's studio I I guess fabulous so funny um and so some psychosexual mind games ensue we have Mimi Rose and Adam and uh Jessa and Ace uh a torturesome foursome as they say yeah says that but (laughs) it's bad they uh he's Adam's frying up sausages I think and they're all just sitting around the table um being radically honest which I hate hate it's so funny which when she goes, Adam, will you fry up some sausages? It's just like so <laughs> random and like so not what she would eat. I don't know. I thought it was a very funny touch. The reason this plot line really didn't work for me is the Mimi Rose of it all ends. She does such an abrupt left turn. Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen the seeds in past episodes that she is very emotionally callous and just as impulsive as the rest of the characters she just has her shit together like in a more material sense but I don't know I think this could have happened in another episode or even in two episodes and we would have gotten a little bit more maybe development to get to this point yeah I think you are absolutely right yeah Yeah. I I agree Mimi Rose is like uh apparently has never experienced jealousy before (laughs) and she says like this is jealousy I've never experienced this before Uh, like I can't deny that I want Ace back which yeah no I guess is a a shocking twist but I also don't totally doubt that she would just pull that you know she seems impulsive me neither and it is sort of aligned with like the whole abortion thing when she just like has her abortion and doesn't tell adam about it until after yeah Uh, but i mean i just think that character is so well done like she is just the worst of the worst (laughs) and written in such a funny way and played so well by killian jacobs who is like truly the queen of playing annoying people yeah Uh, so it's, it's interesting how this character is positioned as this alternative to Hannah in terms of Adam's dating history, but they share so many traits too. Like she's just as narcissistic as Hannah. She's just as much of an oversharer totally. as Hannah. She's just so much more articulate and sure of what she is doing when she overshares, which I guess is manipulation. Like she's just... She's kind of a dark-sided Hannah in a lot of ways. Dark Hannah. And I feel like people let her get away with it more because she's like, "Mm, I'm like, you know, I'm a skinny little art girl, you know? So she gets away with this kind of narcissism in this way that Hannah kind of gets called in more for. I so agree with that. And also, I really think that some of the reason that girls got so much heat in a lot of ways was simply because people found Lena Dunham to not be attractive no i mean (laughs) you know and so i think that mimi rose is almost like a manifestation of that concept because um lena really got called out for a lot of things that i don't think she would have if she had been uh you know a more margot robbie type yeah 
or no I completely agree I I would I would love to think of Mimi Rose as like Lena's answer to that but maybe it wasn't but it really is just you know people would have found the show maybe more palatable if Hannah was like uh what does she call herself 12 pounds overweight and it's been really hard (laughs) for me my whole life if she was 12 pounds lighter or something and you know maybe did her hair different (laughs) yeah Yeah. those qualities aren't any more palatable in like a more conventionally attractive person like no no and then she is so fucking annoying though like her ending this being like i choose no one yeah (laughs) come on and then ace go trying to tell jessa that he's gonna work on himself and like be with her this it ended a little too cartoonishly for me but i did like the scene of jessa and adam commiserating in the street and adam admitting that he still misses hannah Mm-hmm. I could feel like quiet and sensitive and I like these two together and I'm very excited for future plot developments that we're going to get into yeah no no spoilers <laughs> but they were really laying some groundwork with that one truly they were um should we move on to Hannah yeah this uh okay this storyline didn't really work for me as much either mm, yeah I mean I, I was I found myself enjoying it, but no, that not a lot happened. It was just things were happening around her, maybe. Yeah. The the early scene where Tad and Hannah grab dinner. Mm-hmm. And they pass it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he's he loves the pierogies. Oh, oh wait, okay. I so I'm not a New Yorker. I've never lived in New York for an extended period of time. I've heard tell of the Selka and it is uh, to me, most notable for being the site of Ezra Koenig and uh, Tavi Gevinson's like worst state ever. <laughs> I do remember that photo making the rounds many years ago. But like, so okay, so that was the Selka though, like was the Selka. I, I see, I, like I didn't. I mean, I I caught note of the pierogies, but I guess I wasn't paying much attention to. Oh wait, you know what? You know what? It probably wasn't the Selka because Hannah, you know, canonically lives in Greenpoint, Pierogi. home of many delicious polish restaurants my Very personal true. favorite being karksma where they serve pickle soup uh, mm. <laughs> a green point native i yeah probably not probably not the Selka, but for the sake of the maybe it could have been it easily could have been uh, <laughs> i'm sorry i saw, i heard pierogies and i thought oh my god but her dad is kind of trying to act like everything's normal and Hannah's like you know cut the shit how's mom and um he kind of reveals that he is thinking about staying together with her and she says so you finally get the courage to come out of the closet and you want to stay married to a woman and she's having a lot of trouble grasping that yeah, and then him citing the staircase as an example of how such arrangements work. <laughs> that was so really good. funny. Oh my god! Yeah, I um, if people have not watched the stair, well, the documentary too, but like if people have not watched the Staircase HBO miniseries from last year with Tony Collette and Colin Firth, please go do it. I feel like people slept on it way too much, I and it was like, it, I, it really? was like. Run, don't walk, do both the documentary and the HBO series. They're both fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll do it. And now I I did like that there were some nice little father-daughter moments though, about like Hannah lying about the wallet and then him calling her bluff and like mm-hmm. <laughs> basically make, making her prove it. And once again, we have more Maud Apatow who continues to be a comedic genius. Um that scene was my favorite in the episode. I mean, Lita Dunham just yelling at this teenager and talking about how she texted her 10 times in a row and called her three times about her gay father was um, chef's kiss. Spectacular. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, she says, um, Maud says her friend Thomas has like four dads. So you check <laughs> your homophobia. 
I also am upset, you know, this whole teacher arc for Hannah is, like, very weird, and it's such a weird hair era for her, I would like to know, but um, I am obsessed with Lena Dunham basically recreating her alma mater, famously, of St. Anne's in Brooklyn Heights, and she's basically just, you know, doing St. Anne's, which I think is really, really funny, um, because it is a notoriously obnoxious um, private school. The relation, the student-teacher relationship here kind of, once again, is one of those things that feels a little cartoony, and I have to suspend a lot of disbelief that someone, even someone as emotionally unintelligent in many ways as Hannah, would not find this relationship inappropriate, but the more Maud Apatow, the better. (laughs) It's really, it's so funny. Drew, I see your point, and I do agree that it's a little cartoonish, but I have to say, as a fellow alumna of a very obnoxious, hippie private school, it is actually not that crazy. I had a teacher when I was in, like, I had teachers that would sit with us all the time at lunch. I had this teacher, Miss Danzo, shout out to Miss Danzo, who would, like, have kids, like, sleep over at her house and like watch tv and have barbecues and like call them about her emotional problems so i agree that it is cartoonish but it is not unheard of okay that is crazy that's so crazy that's what happens at schools where you wear sit in beanbag chairs instead of desks that's messed up i hate that actually that's see i was shocked when hannah gets called into the principal's office and he doesn't fire her on the spot but now i now i hear that uh she is, um, you know, she hasn't had anyone sleep over, so. I'm <laughs> um, sorry I named that teacher. Uh, she has since gotten married and doesn't go by that name anymore, so I think it's okay. Perfect. Um, but no, anyway, Drew, I totally agree. It is really over the top and cartoonish, but, I, you know, it's not the most insane thing I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. I like that. I mean, Hannah or Julie and I went to the same high school. Like, we, there were not like that crazy but like I did band oh god and our teacher was a little codependent almost with us like and also <laughs> the, the theater teacher was too with the theater kids Ooh. like Ooh, I, classic. Think, I think that sort of dynamic where you have to get people to sound good or like manage egos like you you get a little too personally invested even like coaches and stuff like all of our coaches on our like cross-country team were teachers at the school and that was like a little weird or whatever like I don't feel like I should see my teachers in running shorts but like (laughs) never I mean coaches are on another level of insanity yeah (laughs) you're spending your free time with children I don't (laughs) examine (laughs) you need to go to therapy um (laughs) I yeah no I think Hannah's deranged for this uh but I love her principal saying remember you're not a kid and she goes no trust me I know the things I've seen are not suitable <laughs> for child's eyes <laughs> so funny so he, funny he says you're an adult and I know it sucks but uh you have to keep some stuff inside which is like yeah. basically the thesis of the show like you need to keep some stuff inside but um yeah also I, I, her calling tad a proud gay man when he's like not that proud. <laughs> proud i would i would say he is the opposite of proud yeah. i would say he has not quite reached proud yet yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. i i love that i also just love why do we think she goes to a place of proud gay man do you think it's because she she wants to sound like she's uh she finds it empowering or she wants to sound like she's okay with it i love it as a slogan proud gay man in 20 what was this written like 2014 2015 like that was the phrase like people would say like proud gay man like i like jokingly called myself out gay to some of my friends the other day and they were so thrown off by it it's just like that kind of language is a relic of the past for whatever reason like you just don't say that like that's hilarious (laughs) no it's it's very funny like 2014 like overly corrective Mm -hmm. language 
yeah. um, which I think girls is just so good at skewering and was very ahead of its time in terms True. of like, you know, mocking. But also thank God for Elijah. Thank God for Andrew Randall's for being the like completely off base gay guy that exists in every friend group. Like it, it I really think this character is one of the best gay characters ever to grace our television screens. And him saying, um, I told you so, Hannah saying, you told me Barack Obama was gay. He reads by was the hardest I laughed all episode. I love that. I mean Obama so funny. Like I could see Obama with an earring also. Mm-hmm. I feel like oh. there was one thousand percent Obama with an earring. Yeah, I, I feel like Obama does read by. I would not be shocked to see him um, you know, out at the club, out at DC Pride, maybe. Yeah. I like just also being realistic though. Like Tad is definitely lying about how much of a gay life he has mm-hmm. engaged in without telling people and like I mean Elijah will tell people hard truths in inappropriate ways in a very Shoshana-esque manner For sure. but like he I, I, he just feels a little bit more like wise and with it than our core four yeah. So his advice always feels good. Though, like him, like being the gay Sherpa to Tad felt a little, a little much. Yeah, a little much, but yeah, a little inappropriate almost. A little inappropriate and a little like, uh, I don't know. You know, it's maybe you should be there for Hannah, not Tad, in the situation. You know, or at least both of them together, not going out with Tad. I don't know. It felt off. Yeah, like, he leaves Hannah to, like, deal with her mom, who is, like, chiefing Sigs, like, a complete wreck. Yeah. Um, And being also really inappropriate with Hannah, like... Yeah, she seems drunk. She's like, where's your dad right now, anyway? Or, wow, why do I sound like AI? <laughs> She's like, where's your dad right now, anyway? Christopher Street, which is... <laughs> Oh, like and Han- Hannah snapping back, Mom. That's not where gay people hang out anymore. It's like <laughs> she just always misses the point in such yeah. a fun way. It, that is a great way. She always misses the point. That's it. <laughs> um, and Peter Scolari is just so good. Maybe that's why I sort of really did enjoy the episode is like I just think he is so wonderful Mm -hmm. um and any any episode with uh Tad is a treat for me yeah I this is the season I believe he won the Emmy for too and this is much deserved yes absolutely great performer yeah Um, I I love uh she, I mean, Hannah's basically trying to talk her mom through this breakdown, but yeah, you know, like Jocelyn said, missing the point. She says, maybe you should call Janet from next door and sit down with her and look through some magazines. And I don't know. It's just both of them are completely missing the point. You really see the father or mother-daughter connection. Like uh Lorene is talking to her mom about or Lorene Lorene is talking to Hannah about like how her dad's a daddy and like uh like she says think about anal sex now that's uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) unloading yeah becky and baker genius but like also her discomfort rubs off on hannah too like when tad and elijah come back from their like gay day out um (laughs) and hannah hannah's like I'm a famous liberal my beliefs perfectly aligned with having a gay father but she just like it's too much for her too like she's trying to be as like PC and accepting as she can but like it's just it's her dad like it's a tough uh tough tough news to get it it is tough well I think that the episode does a good job of explaining like I, I think Hannah says it pretty explicitly like I have no problem with my dad being gay I just don't want to hear about my dad having sex with anyone I don't want to hear about my dad being a daddy being a sexual person um which like makes perfect sense and I think is a really good way of like um you know explaining that discomfort 
Uh, and as somebody like who the child of divorce, whose father like dated a lot, it is deeply disturbing (laughs) to see your parents as like sexual beings in any way and um so yeah I thought the show did a really good job of sort of explaining exactly why precisely why she's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so should we move on to the campaign party because this was the part of the episode weirdly that actually worked for me that's funny you say that. It's the part of the episode where I was like, this needs to move faster or half of it needs to be cut. I don't know. I, I agree like, that it needed... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Drew. Oh, I was just going to say, I like Shosh being a busy body. <laughs> That's <Love> like... that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. With the cake, when she goes, I got to go fix the frosting. You look more like Muammar Gaddafi. I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh my god, call back! <laughs> oh. <laughs> history! I missed that. So funny. Oh. Perfect for but this. I, I also, I, I was wondering what you guys would think of that scene because as listeners of the pod, as a listener of the podcast, I know that you are both psychotically Marnie apologist, which oh. is <laughs> so sick okay. and twisted. Okay. And, you ahead. know, and you know, at a party, she just you know she can't resist a microphone. She it just really can't. can't. It really she can't. can't. I like the listeners can't see this, but Julia and I were just like quite literally ruffling our feathers just now <laughs> in a, like a hen house tizzy. Um, I, I I I want one thing to be made very very clear. I am an Amarni. I am a Marni apologist in so much as I am a Marni in many ways in my own day-to-day life. I would never steal a microphone like that because I have debilitating stage fright, which is why I have a podcast and not uh, a BFA. But like <laughs> I, I Allison Williams is the main reason we're here, not Marty Michaels. That that I just want to make that extremely, extremely clear. <laughs> okay. Because that is good to hear. Because for me, Allison Williams is absolutely brilliant. And I think she delivers like such an incredible performance. Marnie is so well thought out and inhabited and just like it's genius. And she's parlayed it into these like incredible Marnie-esque roles in horror. Like I just think uh, she's yeah. brilliant. I mean, she's, but, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. She's the biggest movie star of 2023. Yeah. I, I mean, besides Megan herself. But, Megan um, yes. but I, you know, in my opinion, Marnie is pretty um, irredeemable on all fronts. She's, I don't know. I feel like uh, watching her again in the second viewing, I really, you, I, you start to sympathize with her. It, it, you start to see why she is the way she is. Like you meet I, I her think the show does a great job of explaining why she, she is the way she is. And that Rita Wilson is incredible as her <laughs> horrific mother. But that does not change the fact that she is the worst. And um, I did really appreciate the episode where you guys read out the song titles um, uh, that she and Desi <laughs> were contemplating. Because song for Marcus Garvey is... <laughs> Truly, oh. the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh my I, god, she's she's the she's the worst. She's the worst. She's the worst in ways that Hannah cannot even touch. But oh yeah. but she's also, I mean, she just she, she holds a special place for me. But I, Jocelyn, I appreciate you holding. I appreciate you holding us accountable. And that's very important. Like our word is not law. No. Um. And we are fallible people. Our opinions are often wrong, and we can admit that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that you guys are standing for Marnie. And you know, I honestly wish that I hated Marnie less because it's very much the basic thing to just sort of hate Marnie. But um, you know, I love watching her. But if I were to meet Marnie Michaels in person, I don't think I could resist you know like physically assaulting her in some way <laughs> and that is okay that and is that- okay. <laughs> on the topic of the song titles so I just moved this past weekend and I've been in 
a packing and unpacking frenzy. And oh, I was I was unpacking a box, uh, I don't know, like Saturday. And I come across a strange figurine, something I haven't seen before, something I definitely cognizantly have not laid eyes on before in my own home as decor. And it was Cocapelli Shelley. <laughs> it, was oh a, it was a it was a Cocapelli. It was a Cocapelli like Christmas <gasps> ornament. So and I was like, how do I own this? Who gave this to me? Like, who thought that like Cocapelli Shelley? Like, I think like Allison Williams must have come in in the night, like like yeah. a like an elf and <laughs> Shelley. <laughs> never once i have no idea how this ended up in my house that's beautiful that is hysterical i love that and like the tags are still on in case i want to return it which feels like a very like marnie thing to do but i'm like <laughs> i have no i truly have no idea but i was like i was blessed by cocapelli shelly and i'm oh i'm certainly keeping it. Certainly keeping it no you got to display it in a place of honor um also congratulations on your new home thank you i'm uh i'm excited to be in a very brooklyn neighborhood in chicago channeling my girls i do feel like the girls equivalent the chicago girls equivalent is the bear which is coming back this week if you're listening to it this week and stars desi i'm very excited for oh true desi is great in it that guy he is wonderful i love him in everything yeah he's great on this show too it just desi is so great a terrible like he's not a bad character like the character is really well written it's just it's he's such a slog on screen it's kind of hard to like tap in but he and Marnie together at this party just like causing wanton narcissistic chaos. I enjoyed it. I don't know. Like Marnie shimmying up to Ray singing oh, happy birthday, Mr. President. Did that. And then she goes, Marilyn Monroe. Like <laughs> <laughs> get the reference. Something that just I was watching and I was just like, God, men are truly, not you, Drew, you know, but (laughs) men are truly such idiots because the fact that Ray, who is like, you know, he's got many, many flaws, but he is, you know, like a kind and erudite person. And the fact that he is head over heels in love with Marnie... (laughs) It's oh just God. like men are so stupid. Yeah. It's like, yes, yeah, she's beautiful. Everything else about her is repugnant. That's and true. he's like, I will be there always, always, always. And I'm just like, good God, men are so I also dumb. I agree. But I think that's accurate. You know, like I think that a guy like Ray would be head over heels for Marnie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure she's the prettiest girl he's ever been with. And so, you know, her flaws do not exist to him. Um, And it's to me, it is just so funny to me. God, it is. I mean, also, just I love Shosh running Ray's campaign. I really do. Oh, yeah. I think it's perfect. Um, She's a great campaign manager. Yeah, she could go straight to the White House doing what she's doing right now. Like, she really could. I, I think she'd be a, a Hope Hicks type. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I actually love that journey for her. <laughs> she, um, she says what Ray wants, Ray gets, except like me or Marnie or any woman you've ever loved. Kicking him while he's down. I thought like his speech was cute, though. I don't really care about this plot line at all, no, but like no. it, it's a nice character development. Mark Marin is so hot i was so uh, (laughs) seeing him i was just like hell yeah i know he's gone after this episode but always a welcome presence and i thought the last scene of this episode where after desi and marnie hijacked the mic to announce their engagement after mere minutes beforehand saying they weren't going to tell anyone and keep it a secret um good news i'm so excited for them good news for everyone (laughs) i'm faking it i'm faking everything perfect episode ever yeah 
I really liked that him and Hannah just sitting there Hannah with like that weird Uncle Sam ass hat on (laughs) (laughs) and you know like you were like you were saying Drew about and also you guys I'm so sorry I realized I feel like I've been like screaming this entire episode (laughs) your voice is bringing energy into my soul Um, uh but um as you said about like marnie and elijah being a really fun like alternative pairing for the show which i completely agree with all their adventures are so fun and funny um i love hannah and ray together like just starting way back in the grumpy coffee days (laughs) like to his political campaign party like i just think they're always um a really charming pair yeah that's a really good point. They they like have a bit, they have like almost a brother sister vibe in a way that Ex- I really like. Except for that that's actually a really interesting evolution of the show because I feel like at the beginning, you know, Ray is a nightmare and he's like going through Hannah's dresser and reading her diary and I feel like he was just written I feel like in that first season as such a clear example of like the frustrated mean older brooklyn guy that like i've dated and like many others have but then i feel like alex karpovsky was just like so appealing that they had to make him nicer and i think that kind of happened with adam driver as well yeah that's a good point yeah i mean they definitely turn the charm on and as they Mm -hmm. mature you know like that also seems realistic true true they they do although i mean ray is like what 40 at the beginning of the the show okay not 40 but you know older than the other characters too old to be looking through hannah's diary 100 should we move on to our final segments oh yes yeah absolutely um i okay we usually start with which girl are you in this episode so jocelyn what who did you who did you feel most in line with i i mean i don't want to like i'm not trying to like gas myself up in any way but i think i feel okay this is i'm gonna say half hannah because my dad isn't gay but i have had the experience of my i mean as far as i know but um, i have had the experience of having to deal with my dad like dating and stuff and it did make me want to die um so I feel connected to that but I also I love planning parties and getting people really elaborate cakes and like decorating a bar for someone like I I do it a lot so um I connected to Shosh on that level also I love to reference um you know Mar Gaddafi as often as I can so uh yeah I would say Hannah and Shosh well I was a Marnie. I'm sorry. Um, I would never steal the mic for like that kind of public behavior, but um, I am someone who chronically like overshares good news at the function. Like, I think I wrote our note stock mere days after I uh, hijacked the Memorial Barbecue, Memorial Day Barbecue. and told everyone I'd signed a lease. I signed a lease. And then I set off a bunch of fireworks and I was like, I signed a lease. Um, so yes, I did feel very uh, Marnie-ish in that way. I kind of love that you did that though. Little moments should be celebrated. I think it's great that you signed a lease. I yeah, I do too. But I setting off fireworks near a hot grill is probably not a good idea. Definitely not a <laughs> grill, no. Um, no. I felt a bit shoshish too i um i feel like i can be kind of like grind set mindset sometimes especially when i'm helping someone um and i also love planning things and i love uh motivating people maybe i should be a campaign manager maybe maybe <laughs> maybe that's my, my 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 next uh my next act career pivot yeah our next segment is Fit Check. Uh, which outfits stood out the most to you this week? Um, I really liked Mimi Rose's off-the-shoulder 
sweater cardigan hybrid thing over a sleeveless white Oxford shirt tank top that felt very Tumblr to me. (laughs) Sometimes it's just that easy for me. So um for me the standout outfit would be Jessa's red dress and um little black like bolero shrug thing Mm -hmm. um which also now that I'm thinking about it I think is doubly good because it feels very trendy now because trend cycles have you know like shortened so much and Y2K stuff is back and that kind of like shirt jacket thing is totally back but at the time it would not have been trendy and so I think that's also cool and reflective you know of Jemima Kirk's upbringing with her mother's famous vintage store I always I always love a good Jessa outfit yes I love that I I mean Jess is a true predictor of of trends. I really, that's a good point. I I know you objected to it, Jocelyn, but I loved Jess's bra. I loved that she was wearing a bra <laughs> during sex. I really, it was a cute bra. And it was it was a, it was so. a super cute bra. It was 100% from Lonely Laundry, which is an amazing oh. brand uh, from New Zealand where the owners are QAnon. Um, okay. <laughs> They, yeah. Are you serious? Yes, it is. Oh, I highly recommend on. a little a little Google about that one. But um, <laughs> you know, they make great underwear. Um, and I, I just I loved seeing it because I was like, oh, that's so like I feel like they got that at like Azalea's on Second Ave and Ninth Street, and like mm-hmm. yeah, I do I- love the bra. And you know, it's like Sex and City. Carrie always wore bras during her sex scenes due to Sarah Jessica Parker's no nudity clause. Mm-hmm. And the bras were always really, really cute. I just, you know, as someone with sensitive nipples, I find it uh, unappealing. Fair. I also, <laughs> I feel like I can put myself in a place where I believe that Jessa would keep her bra on, at least sometimes. You yeah. Know? You also, know, sometimes it just happens fast. You don't have time to take the bra off. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm now remembering seeing her boobs in the bathtub, like, in an early season after she and Thomas John get divorced. So I don't think it's a no nudity. Yeah, she's she's definitely done basically full frontal nudity on this show. Yeah, I mean that uh, 100%. And I mean, in that scene, you see like her entire ass. So. Right. Yeah. So she was just yeah. feeling her lonely lingerie uh, separates. I'm guessing, I'm guessing. That's what it looked like. But um. Anyway, it was. It, I totally agree with you. It was a very cute bra. Yeah, I I also loved Hannah in the Uncle Sam hat. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> she she looked like the Bill from Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She's just oh, the Bill. She's the bill. Oh, that song's gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. It's what a great so jam! Good. I actually, we gotta wrap up soon. But like, I I really unironically recommend people to go back and listen to some of those Schoolhouse Rock songs because they're actually perfect 70s pop music. Like they're all like, they're educational, but they all actually work as songs too. Like they're great. I could not agree more. I I actually, I need some history refreshers, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. Um, All right, before we go, MVP and LVP, I, I, didn't come up with anything drew what what are yours Uh, well my mvp was ray for winning the election like he i don't think he's ever been mvp before so gonna give it to him for actually making a life breakthrough my lvp was ace for just being so uh, like absolutely debasing (laughs) to himself and others and i'm happy to not see him anymore jocelyn did you have who are you crowning for MVP? I mean, I completely agree with Drew. I think those are perfect picks. I would also say um, Elijah, just because he's so fun to watch. Or maybe Tad. Although I guess Tad's not really an MVP because he still wants to be married. To He's still got some stuff to work out. <laughs> um, so yeah, Drew, I think, I think your picks are perfect. Ace, you know, I love Zachary Quinto and I, I think Ace 
the line about the boobs is really, really funny and kind of worth having him in for just that alone. But um, yeah, very obnoxious character. Um, sort of glad to to see the end of him. And, um, you know, I think Mimi Rose is an incredibly written character, but at times I want to reach through the screen and, you know, kill her. So glad <laughs> to see her gone as well. Yeah, I, I think... I think Mimi Rose, I'm maybe she's LVP because she is so manipulative constantly. And yeah, no, LVP is MRH, Mimi Rose yeah. Howard. And then MVP, I, I don't know, honestly. I, I think everyone equally annoyed me in this episode. So may, maybe I'll give it to Elijah. Maybe I will, yeah. you know, he, he always, he's MVP of my heart. When in doubt. Well, what, what fun. This was such a fun episode. Jocelyn, thank you so much for being here. You guys, thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. I love girls. I was so happy you asked me. Thank you so much for, um, you know, uh, rescheduling after I literally um, fell asleep after a really difficult exercise class <laughs> and um, missed our scheduled time. So I really appreciate you uh, taking me back. Of course, this was truly so much fun. We made we made a fun time out of like a iffy episode. I think. Yes, I agree. Thank you guys so much. Yay! All right. All right. Well, See you guys well, next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.